Act Three of The Young Idea, a comedy in three acts by Noel Coward. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Young Idea, Act Three. Scene The Living Room of Mrs. Brent's Villa in Alasio, Italy. When the curtain rises, the stage is in semi-darkness. The outline of the room can be vaguely distinguished in the gloom. Two very large arches at the back, with green shutters down over them. Maria enters quietly, and commences to pull up the shutters. As she does so, the room is flooded with hot sunlight. It becomes obvious that the walls are painted salmon color, and there are various colored cushions and rugs lying around. There is a grand piano and a huge bureau writing desk. On the writing desk, there are two big frames containing pictures of Cecily and George, respectively. The writing desk is littered with papers. A typewriter stands on the floor beside it. The whole room has a lived-in atmosphere. Colors are jumbled together irrespective of what goes with what, but the result is thoroughly pleasing and comfortable. There is a straight line of terrace outside, also painted salmon pink. Beyond this can be seen the tops of two or three cypresses, and then deep blue sky and sea. As Maria lets the sunlight into the room, Jennifer sits up on the couch right on which she has been resting. She is a chic, golden-haired woman, dressed in a scarlet overall with a belt. Maria comes down to set tea. What time is it, Maria? Five minutes past three, signora. I thought I told you not to disturb me until four. See, si, Signora, but Signor Walken has just arrived. She sniggers. He has with him a large bunch of flowers. How typical. Wait a moment, Maria. I suppose I must see him. Fancy clambering up that steep hill so soon after lunch. Americans have no repose. Give me my bag. It's on the desk. Maria crosses to desk left. See, si, Signora. Maria, in taking bag from desk, knocks the photograph of Cecily onto the floor. That is the third time in the last week that you have knocked down my late husband's second wife's photograph. Maria picks it up and scrutinizes it. It is not broken. She bangs it down on the desk. You did it on purpose. She is a cow. I know it. Maria, that is not the way to speak. Anyhow, in English, if you must be disrespectful, keep it to Italian. Maria in Italian. Vaca, figlia di molte vaca. Maria, that's enough. Give me my bag at once. Maria gives her her bag, and then returns to desk and gazes at George's photograph. He very beautiful man. Jennifer, powdering her nose. No, Maria, boundless charm, but not beautiful. Maria, shaking her head sorrowfully. Dio mio, it is sad. Go away, Maria, you are getting on my nerves. Si, signora. Jennifer, rising and patting her hair into place before glass. Show Mr. Walken in. Si, signora. Crosses right. Jennifer crosses to fireplace left. You speak English very well now, Maria, but I do wish you'd remember to say very good when I ask you to do anything. English butlers always say it. It gives one a nice feeling of security. Very good, signora. That's right. Maria goes out and in a moment returns. Maria, announcing, Mr. Watkin. Enter Hiram J. Watkin. He is a prosperous, stout man of about fifty. He goes center. 
Mrs. Brent, please forgive me for coming up so early, but I had to bring you these. He offers her a large bunch of orchids. How perfectly delightful of you. Sit down and talk to me. Maria, fetch me that tall blue vase from my bedroom. No, take these and put them into it, carefully with a nice lot of water. Hiram goes up, puts down hat at the back. Maria, taking them. Very good, signora. Jennifer, smiling at Hiram. Wait, I think I'd rather like to wear one. She detaches one from the bunch. Hiram beams with delight. I knew that your youngsters are coming back today. Yes, isn't it splendid? I've missed them terribly. I'm looking forward to making their acquaintance. I just love children. Jennifer, raising her eyebrows. Children? Well, uh, you won't be disappointed if they don't cluster round your knee, will you? Crosses left center. I haven't brought them up to cluster. You bet I shan't. I like kids to be independent. That's right. You'll be pleased. Plucky little devils going all that way by themselves. I feel I ought to tell you, Mr. Walkin, that... She smiles. Well, perhaps after all it isn't necessary. You'll see for yourself. Would you like anything cool to drink? Maria's so good at mixing things up. Crosses. Sits at desk. No, thanks. I, uh, knew your children were returning today. Yes, I know you knew. And I came up here specially, because... Now, don't tell me it's the same old purpose in a different disguise. My last answer was quite final. Mrs. Brent, by the way, you let me call you Jennifer last time. Yes, I was wondering why you were being so formal with me today. Call me anything you like. That is, I mean, within reason. And you said you'd call me Hiram. Never. Never. If I were married to you eighteen times, I should never call you Hiram. As a name, I dislike it intensely, but this is mere trifling. I guess I've got to propose to you again, Jennifer. Go on, then. Hiram sits. Will you marry me? Yes. What? You will? You say yes? Yes. But you said your last answer was quite final. So it was at that time, but I've been thinking things over since then. You are tantalizing. I... Rises. Jennifer, warding him off. Now wait a moment. This ought by rights to be a great moment in both of our lives. Let's endeavor to keep calm in it. Sit down again. But, but, you've bowled me over. You've... All the more reason for you to sit down. He sits. I have a lot to say to you. You have been a very persistent wooer, Mr. Walkin. Hiram! Never. We'll think of a name for you afterwards. I said you have been a very persistent wooer, and though you haven't exactly swept me off my feet, you certainly have worn me down. I have said yes. But before we come to any definite arrangement, there are several facts that will need to be faced. Look here, I don't care how many facts there are, I... If you don't listen to me quietly, I shall go and have a bath. Proceed. Well, to begin with, I don't love you any more than you love me. Here, I guess I've... Jennifer, holding up her hand. Please, let me go on. 
you are going to protest undying affection and heartfelt passion. Well, that's all rubbish. We're both getting too old for either of those things. Don't think I'm unable to see your point in wanting to marry me. I can see it perfectly. I'm quite nice to look at, something of a celebrity, very amusing as a companion, and you think you're in love with me. I am in love with you. Well, we'll let that pass for a moment. The fact remains that I am not in the least in love with you. He rises. I know it's a dreadful habit being perfectly frank, but occasionally it becomes necessary. I like you enormously. He sits again. You're altogether a charming person, and I am willing to marry you for many reasons. It will be springing a grand surprise on the youngsters. They are one of the reasons. I've often felt that there should be a man in the background to help and advise them. That's why I sent them over to England to see their father. Not that he would be much use. He gets so dreadfully muddled. But still. You would be good for Sholto. Having been wildly ambitious in your life, you might be able to inspire him with some of it. And it would be so nice for them to live in your house. It's so much nearer the sea. And they'd be able to run straight out with the Macintoshes over their bathing dresses. That's another of the reasons. You're a wonderful woman. Jennifer, ignoring his interruption... Also, they'll probably want to marry or emigrate or something tiresome, and I should be left alone. I hate being alone at any time. Growing old is a dreary enough performance, even when one is surrounded by grandchildren and kindly relatives and pattering feet. I was thinking of that, too. Oh, well, you'll never need want for pattering feet. I'm sure that there are lots of people who'd be charmed to marry you apart from me altogether. You're a very rich man, you know. I have noticed it. I feel more comfortable now that I've told you some of my reasons. There are lots of others, but I shall probably remember them later. Now, let's think of an attractive name for you. You know, I don't quite get you. You're sometimes very difficult to understand. Are you laughing at me? My dear man, of course not. Why should I? Oh, I don't know, but you were so very determined not to marry me last week, and now you say you will because your children will be able to run out of my house with Macintoshes over their bathing dresses. If you are regretting your proposal, I shall release you without the slightest bitterness. I do see your point of view. See here, cut that now. I'm not backing out. Rises. Jennifer rises. No, but I do, really. I ought either to have become terribly dignified when you asked me and said, No, I live only for my work and for my little ones. Or else I should have yielded blushingly to your embraces and said, I'm so, so tired of living alone with only Sholto and Gerda and Maria and the cook and my secretary and the dog. Take me. I'm yours. Now you're laughing again. Sit. Jennifer sits. I know it's dreadfully tiresome of me, but you'll soon get used to it. I've never been able to take anything seriously after eleven o'clock in the morning. Are you going to tell Sholto and Gerda directly they arrive? Of course, they will be so surprised, the darlings. Enter Maria hurriedly. Signora, the carriage is coming up the hill. You told me to let you know at once. It can't be. It's hours too early. But see, Signora, I see them from the terrace. Jennifer goes to window left. It is, it is. They'll probably get out at the bottom gate and walk up. You'd better go and help with the luggage. See, si, Signora. Very good. Very good. 
Exit Maria. Isn't Maria attractive? She has no morals and many more children than are usual for a single woman. You'd be better waiting in another room like the lovers and tales of Decameron and I'll call you out. You can hide in the hall cupboard if you like. Why should I hide? Oh, of course, there's no real necessity, but it's so much more amusing to be a little furtive. They'll probably insist on interviewing you alone. But don't let them see you're frightened and all will be well. I guess they won't scare me. Don't be too sure. They once upset this English parson so much when he came to call that he fell into the goldfish pond from sheer nervousness. A lot of the goldfish died, too. It was most vexing. Now you go into the dining room while I break the news and get the first joys of reunion over, then I'll call you. Would you rather I went away and came back later? Of course not. It will be much more dramatic if I can suddenly produce you. Go along now. All right. He advances towards her. You've made me a darned happy man. I am so glad. She proffers her cheek, which he kisses. You'll find some biscuits in a tin box on the sideboard. She pushes him out of the room. She goes out onto the terrace and waves her handkerchief. Jennifer, calling. Don't run so fast, darlings. You won't have any breath left. Comes back into the room. Enter Sholto and Gerda. A little breathlessly, window right. They stand transfixed for a moment. Mother! Mother! Little mother! Weep no more, tiny mother. We have come home. Jennifer, center, with arms outstretched. Children, children, thank God, my babes at last. They rush into her arms. Shulto, disentangling himself. That's all right. How are you, darling? Frightfully well, but I've missed you dreadfully. They all sit on settee, right? Would you like something to drink? Maria's been awfully clever lately with the lemons and oranges and cloves and soda water all mixed up. It sounds filthy, I know, but it isn't really. We'll have some in a minute. She's dragging our luggage up the hill at the moment with Giuseppe. Sholto, sitting back. Whew! It's hot. Tell me at once, how was George? And did you like him? Of course we did. He's a darling. And did he wear a pink coat when he was hunting? I should love to see George in a pink coat. He looked rather like a musical comedy in it. He wasn't born for the hunting world. He had a thrust upon him. Did you go to the meets and things? I should just think we did. We used to sit in a dog cart on very cold mornings with pinched blue faces and watch hearty women leaping about on horses. It was awful. And we'd drink lukewarm soup out of a thermos flask, wrap the rug more tightly round our legs, and think of the terrace here, in the hot sunlight with the cypresses and flowers. And you, reading bits of things out loud to us. By the way, we must hear what you've done with your new book. Yes, I've been wanting your help badly. I'm not a bit satisfied with it. Read it now. No, I simply couldn't, on your first day back. Oh, there are so many springs of news bubbling up inside all three of us. You'd be sure to stop me in the middle by suddenly remembering something really thrilling that couldn't wait to be told. Yes, we probably should. She puts her arms around Jennifer's neck. You are a darling lamb, Mother. What a fool Daddy was. Shut up, Gerda. That was most tactless. No, 
but it would have been so lovely if daddy's second marriage had turned out a failure and he'd come back to you and we were all together again we did try so hard to pull it off yes i thought you would but you see the fact of his being so happy and contented proves that he was right after all yes i suppose so if only stepmother cicely hadn't been so nice jennifer without enthusiasm i'm glad you liked her so much we adored her we used to go for long picnics together from what you said just now i should have thought it was rather cold for picnicking Jolto, with a warning glance at gerda not at all we used to wear fur coats and when we got back we played hide-and-seek all over the house Sholto and I used to hide behind the curtains, and she and Roddy Masters. Such a dear. Jennifer, rather irritably, releasing herself from Gerda's clutch. Don't, Gerda, you're tickling the back of my neck. Sholto, with a look of triumph at Gerda. Now we've annoyed her. On our first day back, too. We're beasts. Utter beasts. Jennifer, patting their backs. No, no, you're nothing of the sort. But somehow, it's rather a shock. Cecily being so pleasant. It's a little dog in the manger of you not to want her to be pleasant. Oh, but I do. I'm awfully glad, really, for George's sake. I've wondered so often during the years you've been growing up whether our parting like that wasn't a very stupid and bitter mistake. But now, you see, I needn't have wondered at all. He's happy and I've got you. So everything was for the best, wasn't it? Yes, mother, everything. Jennifer, brightly, brushing away her memories. And everything is going to be still more for the best. How do you mean, Mummy? I've got a surprise for you. We've got a lovely surprise for you. Not such a big one as mine. I bet you it is. Oh, but my dears. Well, we'll tell you ours first. You don't do anything of the sort. I'll tell you mine first. You will laugh. Look here. We'd better toss for it. Takes a coin from his pocket. Come on, mother. You call. He tosses it. Jennifer, eagerly. Heads. Damn. Heads it is. Go on, darling. Well, I give you one guess. No, there's no time for guessing. You must tell us. Well, it's this. I was a little doubtful as to whether it was wise to step or not, but you've both convinced me that I'm right. Prepare yourselves. I'm going to marry again. Sholto and Gerda, aghast. You're, You're what? what? Oh, I knew it would be a bit of a shock, but he's really quite a dear and so rich. He made his money out of putting soft rows in tins or something. So resourceful. But, Mother, it's... It's impossible. You simply can't. Gerda, kicking him furtively. Nonsense. Why not? I think it's thrilling. And what a surprise. Where is he, Mother? In the dining room, having biscuits. You know, those nice crackly ones you like so much. Gerda and Sholto rise. We must see him at once. Jennifer, relieved. Of course you shall. I'm so glad you've taken it so well. I was a little frightened of telling you. But you see, he has that lovely villa just beyond the Covent Garden, practically on the beach. Think how convenient it will be. It will be lovely. He honestly is quite devoted to me, and I'm sure if only you're both a little tolerant, you'll grow very fond of him. He's not unlike your Uncle Bob in appearance, but of course with a much stronger face. 
Uncle Bob was a complete dolt. Shh, Sholto. Your Uncle Bob may have been a little stupid, but God knows he paid for it when he married your Auntie Clara. All this is beside the point, Mother. Nothing of the sort. I want to convince you, before you see him, that I really am doing a sensible thing in agreeing to marry him. It will mean lots and lots of money to do exactly what we like with. We shall be able to travel all over the place. And you know how we've always longed to go to China and Tibet and see all the monasteries and things? We shall be able to indulge all of our wildest dreams. And he's got quite a sense of humour, too. I think. Anyhow, it will be nice digging for it. And above everything else, he really is rather nice. I expect it's because he's so emphatically not one of the best American families. Yes, but Mother... And he told me the most divine things about Chicago. I never dreamt it was such a sweet place. What with the skyscrapers and soda fountains, like the Palace of Versailles. Those were wine fountains, Mother. Well, you know you don't like wine very much. So it'll be ever so much nicer. You'll let us interview him alone, Mummy, won't you? Yes, if you like, but... You see, we feel a little responsible for you. Tell me your surprise first. Oh, no, ours will wait. It's not nearly so exciting as yours. You will be nice to him, won't you? We'll be charm personified. Send him in, Mother. Both, on either side of her, take her hands. Now? But we've hardly talked about anything. You sure he won't mind waiting a little longer? No, we can talk our heads off afterwards. We must get this over first. See what his intentions are. Dear old darlings. Rises. Kisses them both. I'll go and fetch him. Call me when you've finished cross-examining him. Cross is right. All right. Jennifer, at door. I think he imagines you're about twelve years old. Let him down lightly. Jennifer goes out. Sholto and Gerda look at one another in horror. What are we to do? What are we to do? This is frightful. Frightful. Let me think. I suppose we couldn't make him drunk, like D David Garrick. We haven't time. Sholto, clutching his head, throws himself on couch. This is appalling. Gerda, pacing up and down in anguish. At desk. Dear, oh dear. We must terrify him, lie to him, somehow. I know. Both down. Dreadful story about father. Follow my lead and try not to overdo it. The door rattles. All right, look out. Enter Hiram, very sure of himself. He sees the children and gasps. Hiram, right. <gasps> Good God. Good afternoon. How do you do? Why, see here, I... You're not... Looking round, goes across to between them. I'm afraid we are... Hiram, recovering himself. I guess you're much, much older than I expected. Are we? Your mother's a great little woman. Isn't she? Hiram, weakly. Yes, she sure is. There is a pause. She told you that I, uh, we, were going to be married? Yes. <sighs> Hiram looks from one to the other. Oh. <sighs> well, what do you say to it? Close the door, Sholto. Sholto obeys in silence. Hiram begins to fidget. See here, you know, I... Crosses right after Sholto. Gerda stops him. It's all right, Mr... Mother never told us your name. 
Walken. Hiram J. Walken. Thank you. I should like to tell you, Mr. Walken, how delighted we are that this has happened. She smiled sadly. Delighted? I thought you seemed a bit depressed about it. We have almost prayed for this moment, haven't we, Sholto? Yes, almost. Our mother. God help her! Our mother. We've got to tell you this, Mr. Walken. See here, are you two trying to put something over on me? We should never do that, even if we knew what it meant. You must listen attentively to what we have to say. It's very upsetting, but somehow I feel that you have strength of mind and that I can trust you. We can both trust you. Shoto and I have felt it our duty to always tell the real truth to all the people who have wanted to marry our mother. But, thank heaven, something tells me that you won't be like the others and run away. What are you getting at? Mother told you that she divorced father? She did. Well, it's not true. Not true? But why? What do you mean? Our father... Her voice breaks. Our father was put into a lunatic asylum eight years ago. What? Drops and set tea right center. Mother pretends she divorced him. She carried her head high in spite of all the shame and horror she had to endure. Gallant, gallant little woman. Lunatic asylum? But I... Gerda sits on settee. Gently. Now, Mr. Walken, why should we try to tell lies to you? Sholto sits. You will be able to take care of Mother. You will be able to comfort her when she has these uncontrollable fits of depression, which we have endured willingly but for so long. Hiram, still distrustful. But it's incredible. I mean to say... Lots of frightful things that happen are incredible. Father used to be so gay, so merry, and now... He turns away. Now... She turns away. Now he eats the buttons off padded chairs. Hiram looks at Sholto. Sholto, pull yourself together. There's no need to harrow poor Mr. Walken with these depressing details. He will have enough to bear, God knows. The most fearful thing of all is that... It has affected Mother. How do you mean? Gerda, frowning at Sholto. Not much, of course. Just the teeniest little bit. She just says rather odd things now and then. You've probably noticed? You mean she's a bit... dippy? Mr. Walken, you are a frank, outspoken man, I know, but not... not dippy. Well, then, mentally deranged? Rises, crosses left center. Gerda, on settee. No, no, not quite. We had to tell you this. We had to. Don't you understand? We love our mother. We want her to have help and protection. We're so desperately tired. You could take her, and we should have no more of this awful sense of responsibility. You're not the sort of man to be bound down by convention. And no one need ever know you were a... a... bigamist. Rises, working to left to Hiram. It breaks our hearts sometimes to hear Mother talk of Father, quite happily and brightly, as though nothing were wrong with him. Occasionally, you know, I believe she almost succeeds in convincing herself. We went to England, hoping against hope that he would be better. But no, he was just the same. 
There were some new chairs. That's all. Hiram looks at her. Hiram drops down. Where is this asylum? Just near Guildford. Such pretty surroundings. And your father's there now. Yes, Mr. Walken. Jolto, glancing at his wristwatch. He's probably just having his tea. Uh, unbreakable crockery, of course. He cried dreadfully when we left him, didn't he, Sholto? Dreadfully. He said, don't go, don't go. It was most harrowing. I can hardly bear to think of it. And you say there's no chance of his getting well. Enter George, window right, back. None. Dabs her eyes. Oh, Mr. Walken. Sholto, with the calmness of despair. None. I doubt if we shall ever see him again. George starts on seeing Hiram. Oh, Sholto, Gerda, have you... Sholto crosses to George upright, with great presence of mind. Why, it's Mr. P's march! Gerda crosses to George upright, shaking him warmly by the hand. So it is, after all this long time. We are so glad to see you. How's Mr. P's march? Sholto, you forget... Mrs. Peasmarsh was burnt to death last Tuesday week. Oh, I'm so frightfully sorry. You must try not to think about it. Let me introduce you to Mr. Walkin, Mr. Peasmarsh. Hiram, advancing. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Peasmarsh. George crosses to left, dazed. How do you do? I I'm afraid I don't quite understand. I... Gerda, nudging him. We'll explain later. Hiram, left, suspiciously. Explain what later? Gerta, left center, hurriedly. About you being here, Mr. Walken. Mr. Peasmarsh is naturally surprised. In heaven's name, why? Gerta, desperately. Because of Mother's vow. Didn't we tell you about Mother's vow? You did not? Well, perhaps you'd better explain, Choto, while I talk to Father... Mr. Peasmarsh. I don't want any more explained to me. I... Sholto crosses to left, quickly... Oh, but you must. You see, it was like this. When Mr. Peasmarch was a little boy, he and Mother used to play together. And one day, when they were playing at... at... what were they playing at, Gerda? Gerda crosses to left center, promptly. Dances of all nations. Hiram left. George crosses right. And Mother tripped over the stars and stripes and hurt herself very much. So she made a vow never to let an American cross her threshold. George, right center, unexpectedly. I should have thought she was too young to have a threshold. Please don't interrupt, Mr. Peasmarch. We're trying to make things clear to Mr. Walken. Clear? Good God! Shh. Now, will you listen? No, I will not listen! Crosses to center. You've both been joshing me all along, and I've had about enough of it. Uh, but, Mr. Walken... Don't lie to me any more. Do you think I'm half-witted? Do you imagine that I can't see you're trying to get rid of me? If you don't want me to marry your mother, why the hell couldn't you say so? What? There now. You've upset Mr. Peasmarsh. My name is not Peasmarsh. Gerda and Sholto go up to George and surround him. Enter Maria. She pauses for a moment, looks from George to the photograph on desk, then back again. Then, with a shrill cry of recognition, she rushes at him and, clasping his hands, covers them with kisses. 
Hiram moves to left. Il padrone! Il padrone! Il padrone! Si è tornato! Allo stagnato! Stasera! Madonna mia adesso! Tudo stara! Benissimo! Porta la felicità! Alla signora! Oh, signor! Signor! C'è miracolo! Dio mio! Stai zitta, Maria! Stai zitta! Everybody proceeds to talk at the top of their voices. The noise is deafening. Please, Mr. Walken, don't be cross. Come back in about an hour and we'll explain everything properly, and you'll understand perfectly why we've been behaving like this. It... I should very much like to know what you just met now, sir, when you said, I come here and a perfect stranger suddenly announces that he is intending to marry my wife. It's all quite simple, if you only listen to reason. Our mother's a most peculiar woman, and she has always... I guess you're all trying to put something over on me, and I should like you to know that I'm not the sort of man to be joshed uphill and down dale by a set of... Dio grazie, Dio grazie, Dio grazie! Enter Jennifer. I never heard such a noise. What are you all shouting about? George! Jennifer! That's done it. This is infamous! I'm beginning to see things a bit more clearly now. Goethe and Sholto to Hiram together. If you'll, if you'll only, only let, let us, us explain. explain. God forbid. George, oblivious of all but Jennifer. Jennifer, I've come back. That would be obvious to the meanest intelligence. Mr. Walkin. Hiram crosses to right center, with biting sarcasm. I guess it isn't necessary to try to explain anything more to me. I know all. Sholto and Gerda have made it perfectly clear. I'm sorry that your husband eats chairs in an asylum, and I'm sorry that you played with Mr. Peasmarsh when he was a boy and tripped over the stars and stripes. It must have been most painful. I'm also sorry that you hadn't the moral courage to tell me I was unwelcome and that you had to employ your dear children to do it for you. Crosses up, gets hat. My poor man, you're talking nonsense. Shh! Be gentle, mother. Mr. Walken is not quite as other men. He had a bad fall when he was a child, and... Hiram comes down center. Hiram, struggling manfully to control his rage. Mrs. Brent, I release you unconditionally from your engagement to me. On closer acquaintance, I find I couldn't altogether cope with your... your... He looks venomously at Sholto and Gerda. Your atmosphere. I am going straight back to Chicago. Up to window left. Jennifer, following up to window, distressed. Won't you have some tea before you go? Hiram, still fighting for politeness but shouting. No! Thank you very much. No! He stamps off onto the terrace. <sighs> it's perfectly disgraceful of you to upset that poor man like that. You've placed me in an appalling position, and I refuse to speak a word to any of you. She makes a dive for the door, but Gerda and Sholto bar the way. The three sit on settee. Now, Mummy, do sit down and keep calm. Daddy's awfully in love with you and has been all the time, and he's come over with us to make a formal proposal. George moves left. Don't go and spoil everything by being obstinate. Think how wonderful it will be. All together again? He is such a darling. Enter Maria. Maria comes down excitedly. Yes, yes, all together. That is good. 
in italian the saints will preserve us and keep us rich to the end of our lives sholto in italian go away now maria we'll come and talk to you in the kitchen presently very good signor she goes out laughing happily jennifer on settee almost in tears i shall never forgive either of you for this jennifer left how dare you spring on me without any warning like a rattlesnake they'd made me come jennifer quickly then you didn't want to george center you know i did jennifer crossly well all i can say is it's very inconsiderate it's nothing of the sort it's a pleasant surprise jennifer rises pleasant huh you ought to be ashamed of yourself gerda softly to sholto it's all right they're going to have a row come on they commence to go up to back quietly george quite cross why should i be ashamed just because i love you still where's cicely gerda and sholto go out window left damn cicely i consider that remark in very bad taste i suppose when you first married cicely you used to damn jennifer all day long george left center cicely's left me for good and all i shall never see her again jennifer right center have you any aspirin on you no i'm so sorry i'm sure i shall have a headache in a minute to have you suddenly reappearing like this is enough to unman any woman don't trifle with me don't be flippant this is our first meeting after fifteen years let's treat it in the proper spirit if only you'd given me a little warning i could have worked myself up into the right atmosphere without the least trouble i should have put a lamp in the window george appealingly jennifer as it is i'm utterly taken by surprise let's wait to discuss this until later when the shock has worn off a bit are you really so eager then george crosses to jennifer i want to come back here to you and the children more than anything in the world jennifer he catches her hand don't be tiresome really you are amazing after living fourteen years with another woman you drop out of a cloudless sky and call me tiresome well you are thoroughly perhaps i am rather sits on settee jennifer in a few months all the divorce business will be settled and we're both getting on you know we shan't be as temperamental as we used to be nonsense i shall always be temperamental that's just it you jump at conclusions so as a matter of fact i'm ever so much worse than i was having been left alone to do as i like george sits i'm not afraid if i agree to marry you again i want you to understand that it will be solely on account of sholto and gerda very well and i should like to arrange things on a more or less business basis we must make a list of the subjects that we cannot discuss calmly counting on her fingers religion george moore democracy my novels i won't criticize a word of your novels if you don't want me to i don't mind your criticisms george as long as they're sensible and enthusiastic anything more certainly you mustn't dominate me i hate being dominated i never did and you must never try to make me eat things i don't like you always used to uh, i didn't yes you did one of our fiercest quarrels started with an apple pudding you were so fatty never mind i like being fatty rises crosses to center all right 
Promise me that you won't persuade me to live in England for good. I promise. Rises to center. And above all things, you must never become reminiscent about Sicily. You will want to talk about Sicily more than I shall. Oh, no, I shan't. Won't you say yes or no now? There you go, dominating me. Sit. Will you answer one question? That depends. What is it? you care for me at all any more? I suppose I do, really. But still, that doesn't settle things by any means. I had to crush down so much unhappiness fifteen years ago that... Do you know, I believe I crushed all my capacity for happiness with it also. The fact of our caring for one another didn't prevent our quarrelling before. We're older now. I know. There's no need to go harping on it. You're much too sensible to mind growing old. Am I? I wonder. I know. Once we're together again, it won't matter a bit. There's such a lot of happiness waiting for us just round the corner. If only we're careful. Perhaps. George, going towards her. Jennifer, you are a darling. Jennifer rises, warding him off. George, it's too late. That poor American. I've given my word. He released you from it. To center. Only because he was cross. I can't let him go all the way back to Chicago by himself. He'll have to. He doesn't love you as much as I do. More, I'm afraid. You see, not having been married to me before, he doesn't know of my disadvantages. I'm sorry, but it'll have to do without you. George, how can you be so selfish? I love you. So does he, and you're calmly suggesting that I should break his heart. Yes. No, George. On second thoughts, I'm afraid. Sits at desk. Stop, stop. Don't go on any longer. I won't have it. I know you and I can see through you. You determined in your own mind to have me back the very first moment you saw me. And you're prevaricating and arguing just to keep me on the rack. This is one of the most delightful moments in your life, and you're reveling in it at the cost of my peace of mind. You love me. It's no use pretending you don't. Because every nerve and instinct I possess is screaming that you do. You do! You only tolerated the thought of that wretched American at all on account of the children. You love me. You love me! You've wanted me all these years as much as I've wanted you. The sight of you has completely annihilated the time we've been parted. The only thing in the world that matters is youth. And I've got it back again. I'm twenty-one and I want to laugh and shout and tear the house down. Come and kiss me. Jennifer, going to him. George, you haven't altered a bit. Curtain. End of Act Three. End of The Young Idea, a comedy in three acts, by Noel Howard.